everyone to polk and kush it is wednesday october 18th 2023 and i'm gonna keep it positive we're keeping it positive today positive show positive show we spent most of the last three years bitching about things but today we're going to keep it positive because life is good life is grand life is wonderful i am scott kushner alongside my buddy mr andrew polk hey hey it's happening man i am uh i'm a working comedian again yeah i saw you put up dates yeah which normally i wouldn't do yeah what were your thoughts well last night uh around 10 o'clock i was in bed i was almost asleep and uh, Todd Berry emails me and he goes, hey, uh, do you have the same phone number? And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this poor bastard in Shreveport who got my old phone number has God knows what horrors have been sent to this person. But, you know, we share a Walgreens account. So we just split the whoever gets the rebate first gets to claim gets it. To use it. That's what we've been. That's what we've been doing. But you get there double the time. Yeah, yeah pretty much. But yeah, I, uh, I put some dates up. I got some shows coming up. So uh, Polk and Kush Nation, come check them out. Going to be with Todd Berry, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, uh, November 16th through the 17th, 18th. Three days. November? Yeah. Okay. And then you're going to Gainesville, right? Going to Gainesville next week. Uh, That'll be rowdy. I'll be doing a show in Jacksonville on Thursday if we have any fans You going to go to some foam parties? It's a punk rock festival, so I think it's all going to be foam parties. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's a lot of like... Is uh, Machine Gun Kelly going to be there? I don't think so. I think this is the only podcast that has ever mentioned your favorite punk band, Machine Gun Kelly. It's going to be a lot of like nostalgia acts. So okay. If, if you worked at a hot topic in 2004 to 2008 you're gonna come to this festival you got it that sounds great yeah i found a version spotify sometimes spotify just kind of knows you right mm-hmm. and they don't know how they get to the center of your soul but and you're not looking for it but they played a real big fish cover of just another day in paradise by phil collins and i stopped in my tracks wow <laughs> It was so perfect. I was like, God damn it. How did they know? The Scott covers are always very good. So good. And I love Phil Collins. I love Real Big Fish. I love that song. I was so happy. And then I was like, oh, man, this is if I told anybody about this, they'd think, what a loser. Now I'm telling everybody I know. Now you're telling 380 people. (laughs) Hmm. But otherwise, it's been a beautiful week in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's been very nice. What has life been like in the French Quarter? Uh, I took a stroll today yeah. around. It's been uh, clean and the sun was shining. Yeah? Very nice everywhere. A little different than August? A tad bit different than August. <laughs> I felt like I was uh, like running out of an apartment building that was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I would leave the office, because the office is freezing. Sure. And then I go outside. It's like a torn. You open the door, and there's like a tornado from the hot <laughs> and the cold meeting. I don't know anything about science. There's hail at the door frame. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, man. It's just been nice. Everyone's outside all the time. Everybody seems happier. People seem to be in a better mood for sure. Yeah, I think. You know the same way when you're like going to Chicago in the summer mm-hmm. and everyone's outside all the time and yeah. you're like, God, look at these people. I should live here. Look how happy everybody is. We're like, well, you're there during the three months a year yeah. that it's really great to be outside and be doing stuff. And it's like this is kind of where we're at after like an absolute nightmare of a summer that we're into this like beautiful part of the year and that our water is not totally filled with salt. Yeah. And so it's really just winning on every front. I don't know what could possibly go wrong in this city anymore. <laughs> I feel like we have uh, faced adversity. <laughs> We're resilient. Have you ever heard that one? Are we resilient? Has anyone ever said that about New Orleans? 
I I think that most of the people I'm seeing that are happy and having a good time and are outside don't live here. They're from somewhere else. For sure. And they're just like, boy, the news was wrong about this place. I know. It's like, man, look at the po'boy bread is fantastic. And all these people are so happy. It's like, well, the ones who live here are inside their homes right now. <laughs> trying to figure out a way to pay for their insurance i still have like uh i still have like ptsd from it being so hot yeah that every morning i'm putting on like booty shorts and a tank top to go to work (laughs) still but now i need a a light jacket to go over that it's tough times man i know my kids are just completely they don't understand my oldest child the idea of like having to wear pants he like doesn't get it yeah he's like no like this i'm like "Uh uh-uh i was like you gotta wear pants it's like no, so no. we're so he's like freezing in the back of the car. I'm like whatever. I was like you'll figure it out, man. <laughs> and even if you don't, in two months I'm sure it'll be very hot. I'm not too worried about yeah, it. Yeah, he'll figure it out. <laughs> he'll he'll, he'll be, adapt. He'll be fine. It's no big thing. Um, but it is. Uh, it's been very nice to see kind of the the city start to come together because we're not having to worry about watching football necessarily. Mm-hmm. We'll obviously get in to a whole lot of football stuff, but it does seem like the festivals are starting to pick up again. Uh, did you, have you gone out to any of those things? Did you ever go to the you know free music festivals? I saw a lot of pictures. There's the blues and barbecue. Yeah, did you go to that? Yeah, it was great. I heard it's really cool. There was blues and barbecue. What do you know? Was it, Is the music the same at that? Like, So they say it's blues, right? But yeah. is it really just the same seven acts that it is at every single one of those other festivals no it wasn't it it sounded like uh you know you were in like mississippi delta blues Club. okay it was like actual blues mu- musicians it was not... that's cool it was lafayette square yeah that's like an undervalued like that's such a cool little thing that's yeah. just right there in the middle of downtown it's tucked in it's relatively easy to get to it's especially easy to get to if you're anywhere where you can hop on the streetcar and yeah. right, right now it's like great streetcar weather i wish there yeah. was a Metairie street car. <laughs> it would take me three and a half hours to get to work. But it would be, like, pleasant. I could read a book. It still stops at stoplights. Yeah. That's the part of the streetcar that has never made any sense to me. I was like, you need, if you're going to take a train, the train has to not stop at the same signals that the cars do. No, the streetcar is not for getting somewhere efficiently yeah. in New Orleans. It is so you can get absolutely hammered mm-hmm. and then have a ride to and fro. For about four or five years, I lived on the streetcar, on St. Charles. Mm-hmm. I let My apartment uh, was right there, and I would watch as it would come and go, and I would still take a cab every single time I had to get somewhere <laughs> that was anywhere up and down St. Charles. Because by the time I would actually be able to see it coming, I would not be able to run down fast enough yeah. to catch it. And the, the only days of the year that I would ever actually get on it would be like Red Dress Run and then like a Saints Monday Night Football game. And even then, you're not going to wait for it after. Right. It's like because it's the... It, Gets stuck in traffic. If anyone is turning left, it stops. And everyone's like, we should have more streetcar. I used to be in some group, some email list that somebody signed me up for. It was like, how to expand the streetcar line. It had like, yeah, going like out to Lakeview and out to whatever. I was like, no. I was like, just at a bus lane. I was like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. This is the least convenient form of transportation imaginable. They opened one up that goes, what, down Rampart or something? Does yeah. anyone take that? I'm sure workers in the quarter <laughs> do. <laughs> it go, it can't be more than like a $3 Uber ride. They're, it, they can't and it's go, $1.25 to ride the streetcar. They can't go more than a day without a car crashing into it, <laughs> I think is maybe the real issue. Yeah, that's definitely the case. But, I mean, I, I, it's not a keep thing. It that, positive. Keep it positive. Keep it positive. It's a great place to take a picture or to hang out with a guy who shit his pants. And there was always, you know, some like neighbors, co-workers, friends, brother-in-law always sat next to like Paul McCartney on the street. Yeah, it's like one time. Exactly. There was always like Eric Clapton was on there. <laughs> Billy Joel. I don't think Billy Joel would be on there. Well, maybe Phil Collins. <laughs> Billy Joel's usually very drunk and yeah. behind a wheel somewhere. So maybe he was driving it. <laughs> I love that they also don't have horns. They just have a little bell. Yeah. And like, like they're the rice <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's like you're going to actually hit cars. You should have something that is louder to stop the cars. There's a little string, and they've got like their <laughs> finger out, like they're drinking tea whenever they ding a ling a ling it. And they got a triangle. I'm like, this is 
What you are a, a very heavy train going directly at a minivan full of children. Yeah, you need something louder than a a triangle. I'm not going to hear the ding 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 over no. "Hot for Teacher" blasting in my car. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Which know. is a weird song for a homeschooled kid to listen to. I'll admit. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that wasn't really made for you. That no. one was uh, was definitely different. Um, good lord. Well, let's get into it. We're gonna keep it positive, though, right? We're gonna keep it positive. I think so. We're gonna keep it positive. Yeah. Let's do some positives. The Saints lost. That's not positive. But uh, I I wasn't that mad about it mm-hmm. because I think I don't care that much because anymore. it's hard to get mad at something you don't. <laughs> About. Yeah, I've I've started to stop kind of caring. Yeah, and that's helped. Uh, I also so that's positive number one, right? We'll get deeper into that. Positive number two, I think Rashid Shahid is really cool. Yeah, I like watching him. He's very fast. He's so fast. He's good. Yeah. You know what I like? I like when I watch a fast and good player, and they're still on the Saints. Because <laughs> so many times we'll be watching, I'll go, oh, he used to be on the Saints. Oh, he used to be on the Saints. Oh, he used to be on the Saints. Mm-hmm. That Bills game, Deontay Hardy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Bye-bye. Or Boston Scott. Every time like, they, oh, bye-bye. Like, they cut Boston Scott Boston the first Scott, year. I called him. He was, he was on... He was on like a practice squad, and I was like, "They've got to get this guy." He went yeah. to Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and that's he was the only there. thing I knew about him. Yeah, <laughs> and he's good. And like, I watch him play. I'm like, ah. Oh. But anyway, uh, I do like Rashid Shahid. I think he is very good, and mm-hmm. is probably the best pickup they've had in a very long time. And if they had a, a legitimately good offense, I think he would be a big part of it. And I think that was probably the best, like signing they've had in a long time so mm-hmm. congratulations to Rashid Shahid for keeping my head above water he's got that dog at him I like him a lot and uh I think the defense played very hard this feels Fair? like a hostage situation I kind of feel like you a look, hostage you look like a man with a gun to his back <laughs> The North Koreans are very nice to me <laughs> I'm getting three square meals a day uh yeah the defense we have to be we're maintaining positivity because we have a new show sponsor the catholic church yeah (laughs) the the issue is that the the defense is kind of responsible for the whole team at this point the special teams is is obviously uh inconsistent we'll call that at best uh, the offense is, what do they say, a flaming dumpster fire of poop. Uh, that's the offense. That's what they say. And so the defense kind of has to show up drive after drive after drive and try to win games. And they did that against Houston. They did more than enough to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so credit the defense. Those guys are playing very hard. If It, it feels in some ways like defense – is a little easier to rely on if you're a mediocre team, right? Like offense is going to kind of go come and go based on who you're playing. Your defense should be able to be there more weeks mm-hmm. than not, but that might be an outdated kind of thing in the NFL. Cause this week they've got to play Trevor Lawrence more than likely. I think he's questionable to play right now. <laughs> there is no chance that dude's not playing. Right. Uh, he is definitely going to play. And I don't. This will be the best quarterback they faced by a long shot. But I am. I have been impressed with the ability to continue to show up, to continue to fight, with the exception of what the second half of the Buccaneers game. That was kind of the only time you saw this defense wilt a little bit all season. Yeah, and of course the fourth quarter against the Packers. Well, that was just getting beat. Yeah, I don't know if they gave up. I think they were just on the field the entire game. They were on the field the entire time and they're very old yes, as well yes they're not used to playing outside is it, maybe that has something to do with <laughs> sure. it those rugged wisconsin yeah yeah it's... my app shows like dome sun mm-hmm. snow i'm mm-hmm. like yeah that's that'll make a that'll make a big difference <laughs> in how i lose gambling on this game <laughs> that's the sports science i was looking for uh so there are positives it doesn't feel that way because it 
This is the lowest I've ever seen the fan base. Well, I thought you tweeted something positive about the Saints. You said, Will Lutz is seven for eight this season. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, he's on another team. Right after Blake Groupie missed his second field goal of the game. He shouldn't have to be kicking field goals from 54 yards. True. But he also should make the ones from 29 yards. Well, if you miss a 56-yarder, your confidence has gone down. Yeah, so they've done that to him. Look, Groupie's in my Dungeons and Dragons group, <laughs> and I'm going to stick up for him as a good dungeon master. He, he is... Uh, I don't know if he's good, bad, or any otherwise, but the idea that like you got, you very much made a choice between him, him and Will Lutz. Will Lutz is far from perfect, but good lord, he was making twenty-nine yard field goals more often than not, uh, and that really is what ended up dooming them in the game because the Saints went for on fourth down twice in the next two drives because they were down by a touchdown rather than being down by less than a touchdown, mm-hmm. so they could have kicked twice taking the lead, and that's really all they would have needed to do because this team plays for field goals. Let's just call it what it is. They are playing for the bare minimum. They know they are not going to score when they get in the red zone. I, I don't know how many drives ended inside the Texans 25. It had to be four, uh, and they ended up with like three points from it total. Yeah, there were four red zone trips. Hard. They resulted in three points. Uh, Derek Carr, since over the last four years, Four years ago, I think he had a little bit better rate. Like, he was 16th in red zone offense, and now he's around, like, 30th. Uh, If the season continues as is, Derek Carr will end a 17-game season with 14 touchdowns. I I feel like Drew Brees has gotten that in a month many times. Yeah. (laughs) Like, many, many times. In three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) In some cases. Like, that is really... Really bad. And and you just paid so much for him. Yes. If this is Jameis Winston, I think everybody's like, all right, man, it's Jameis. Yeah. Or this, if it's Baker Mayfield or or Josh Dot, You know, like any of those like replacement yeah. guys you could have just plugged in <clears throat> and been like, eh, we're kicking the can. We know that next year, you know, we're going to try to go get a real quarterback. Yeah. And now we've paid a lot of money for a guy that I don't think is doing any better than Jameis. The team probably has more confidence in Derek sure. Carr, but... Just purely numbers, is there a difference between him and Jameis? No, I don't probably think not. So. I mean, and if they are, it's negligible. Yeah. You know, like, I would assume there's probably fewer horrific interceptions than if Jameis was playing every <laughs> snap. There's probably a handful of ones where you'd be like, oh, my God. But the difference would be like, okay, they got a 25-yard interception instead of a 40-yard punt. Yeah. That, I mean, the good... It's all going the same way anyway. They're not going to score. And you're going to have $60 million more million behind that exactly. insane 40-yard yes. interception. Exactly. And so that would be the thought process. Uh, but, yeah, they, they screwed up in getting him. I, the idea that he was going to be the guy that just, like, fixed everything, that you were a quarterback away, and if you just plugged in someone who was mediocre, everything's going to kind of fall into place it's not that easy. You obviously have bigger issues. Number one with scheme, number two with the offensive line. And then I don't think the weapons are quite what they think they are. You started seeing some fissures with uh, Alvin Kamara didn't look particularly happy during the game. I think he played hard, but he didn't look very happy. Chris Olave was showing a little diva side that we have never really seen from him before. Mm -hmm. Um, And the frustration is understandable, but these guys only really have themselves to blame. Yeah. And the idea that they're going to point fingers at each other, it's like, it's on all of y'all. I mean, you guys all suck. Some players do seem to be blaming everybody. Cesar Ruiz, for example, was just saying, you know, this is incomprehensible how bad we are in the red zone, and that that comes from everybody. So I think some players are. Sure. And receivers are insane. Yes. You know, receivers are like Black Swan. Yeah. You ever see that movie? I did. It, they're like that. Yes. <laughs> Who was the other girl? It was Mila Kunis and uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I just forgot about that movie and you made me think of it. Yeah. Nice. Um, yes. But the upset, though, is that Michael Thomas is not the guy causing the issues. Yeah. And like you would have thought Michael Thomas is like an old vet now. Yeah. He's just showing up. Yeah. He like he's wants to win. Fun. Yeah. He's he he is the Michael Thomas that would have been fantastic three years ago, four years ago. For sure. 
Yes. Would have been very helpful. But I'm glad he's there now, and he's going to be there next year on Denver. (laughs) The one saving grace of this NFL season is that I get to watch Sean Payton lose. That has been really life-affirming, to watch both Dennis Allen and Sean Payton lose and be like, the arrogance of this franchise that I have railed on over and over and over again is just getting exposed every single week of this NFL season, that these guys were never that good at what they were doing. They were never that special. And the Saints thought they were special because Drew Brees was so freaking good Mm -hmm. that they made it out that the coaches were the ones that were, you know, these, you know, miracle workers that were in their unique butterflies that they needed to keep and whatever, like, yeah, to keep the continuity of the Sean Payton Saints together, it's like if we've learned nothing else from this season, it's that that entire line of arrogant thinking, I would hope, has been beaten to death because there's no way anyone in their right mind, Mickey Loomis included, can be watching this and going like, well, you know, we're still the Saints, mm-hmm. so we've got to be able to keep this culture together. we got to get another Saints guy who understands the excellence of the saints. It's like, no man, just go get a freaking football coach. Don't go get a guy who has the worst record in the history of the NFL to be your coach. Go get <laughs> any, literally anyone else. Don't get a defensive coordinator. First of all, because almost all of them are terrible as head coaches and go get someone who can run an offensive system to go along with your defensive guy who doesn't already work for you. And it is a uh, highly, it's not even frustrating because it's 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 so predictable, um, but it, it's just been very obvious. It was it was very transparent what was probably going to happen, and now it has happened, and they're still not really changing or doing anything about it. Well, there's like there's nothing for them to go back to because no. at least with Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael, you could say, well, you know, it was the Sean Payton group. We're going to keep as much of it intact. The experiment is over. Yeah. Every player from that era is gone, retired, on TV. They're doing something. <laughs> else. It is time to move on. Yes. The Saints from 2009 don't care about you anymore. No. You got to find a new man. Yeah. And they're trying to like, I, you know, is that 2017 to 20 is what they're trying to kind of keep together. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. that was because... You had a couple guys, and you had Drew Brees. That's what that was. And mm-hmm. you have a couple of those guys still on defense. And look, I'm not going to criticize Dennis Allen as a defensive coordinator. I'm sure he's fine at it. But their job requires more than that. You have to be able to build a competent offense. And if you watched the last four plays of that game, when you have two timeouts and you're in the red zone and you throw the ball to the end zone, four straight plays. One of them basically threw the ball out of bounds on fourth down. What are you doing? Like, you're not even going to try to go across the middle of the field. You have two timeouts. Use them. Understand the game situation. There was just, like, no understanding of the game situation. Even if they had scored a touchdown, you still would have left too much time for the opponent. So it would have been a bad play even if you scored. (laughs) Like, it was not the time unless you dialed up something that got wide open believe me they did not dial up anything that got wide open it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the players are checked out it seems like the coaches are checked out completely it's so hard to tell because you have a bad offensive line which is the where the rot ultimately starts and then when you watch like the handful of all 22 plays that get posted on social media and you're like yeah none of this makes sense yeah. this is almost impossible to make this work and then you realize that Derek Carr, in addition to that, is bad. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, the combination of all of this, like, yeah, of course you scored 13 points against the Houston Texans. Well, how many offensive touchdowns do they have this season? Seven? Eight? I mean, they have almost, like, the exception of that Patriots game, and even that Patriots game, how many drives of more than 60 yards did they go? What yeah. many? Um, you know, they had defensive touchdown there. They had a special teams touchdown against Green Bay, like, it is not a. Uh, it's not great. They seem to be in a really bad position. Yeah, and they've got some players, and the division stinks. And I still think they're probably going to win the division. 
I believe if everybody lost in the NFC Everybody lost. Everybody lost. And they're going to keep losing because Desmond Ritter is also terrible in Atlanta. The Buccaneers are not very talented outside of a handful of guys. And Carolina is the worst team in the NFL. And so it's like when you add all those things together, it's going to be very hard to not win the division. And they're going to say that everything is good and everything's great because they beat a handful of bad teams. They won the division, etc. Uh, and that's disappointing. But there's no juice at all. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anybody talking about the Saints? It's I- just, it feels like a chore to watch it. Yeah. It's on and I'd rather be doing the dishes. It's yeah. on and I'd rather be asleep. It's on and I'd rather take a walk in the nice weather. Yeah. I'm not missing anything watching it or not watching it. Yeah. Like, in the middle of the first quarter, we went to Waffle House, came back, I didn't miss anything. (laughs) You know what I did? I had a great waffle. (laughs) That's something Uh you can tell people about. That's something I'll remember. I'll remember the good waffle more than watching. I'm not going to remember the second quarter with Cesar Ruiz getting steamrolled (laughs) the whole time. Bonded three times, yeah. Uh, Yeah. it's it's, Trevor Pinning did not start. He didn't start, but because James Hurst got hurt during the game, he had to come back in. He Mm -hmm. immediately got a 15-yard penalty for... Getting run over so bad that it looked like he was tripping the guy, <laughs> uh, which is always a good sign. And yeah, I mean, again, I, I really am not worked up about it. I kind of saw it coming. And I think they have just as good of a chance of winning the division today as they did last week that they did at the start of the season. They're probably still 50% or more to win this division, which is not saying anything because they're going to be a double-digit underdog at home. Whichever team wins the division is going to be a double-digit underdog at home in the first playoff game. And I don't think trying to be the 2020 Washington Commanders is some sort of valiant goal. No. Or the, you know, the Rams of like 2016 or whatever it was when they, you know, won at 7 and 9. It's like who cares. Um so that's where we're at, and that's okay. I don't think anybody's going to give a shit about the game Thursday night against the Jaguars. I will be there. I offered Polk ticket. He said no because he is smarter than me. And <laughs> but it's the it's the cheapest I've ever seen the secondary market, and the secondary market here has been low for a couple of years now. It, the get in price is like already under thirty dollars. That's pretty good. I mean, that's crazy for an NFL game. I so mean, the Jacksonville fans are got to be eating this up. <laughs> They've got to go, what's going on? I know. Yeah. I mean, and that's so I, I talked to people who were in Houston who were like, yeah, I could not get a ticket for less than $200 in Houston. And Houston's terrible yeah. and has no fans because they've been bad for so long. And even then it was $200. Like, yeah, just come to New Orleans. I think it's the cheapest <laughs> ticket in the league. It's like you can get it for 30 bucks. Well, it's revitalizing the city and the downtown because there are so many tourists. Yes, you can just the, come take over. All the Jacksonville people, they're going to fly over here on Hooters Airline. <laughs> Stay at the Ramada by the airport. <laughs> shuttle them in, shuttle them out. They're going to have a great time. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way the Saints win this one just because the Jags, I think, are a better team than their record shows. They've been in some close games this season. They beat the Bills on the road in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is an actual quarterback. I would I would say he's an actual quarterback. He's, he's, he's definitely top, the closest to an actual quarterback that they've played. So he's far. a top nine or top eight quarterback. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, Saints are going to get smoked. <laughs> I uh, and since I'm saying that they won't. they'll probably win. I mean, it's completely impossible to tell. The Thursday night games have been a calamity to watch mm-hmm. thus far. They're all pretty ugly. Al Michaels is half asleep. Kirk Herbstreit's drooling and you know looking at press clippings of whatever. Like it, it's. It's not a good product, and this probably won't be a good product, but I think there's a chance the Saints win, and I'll probably have a lot of beer, and I, you know, it's a good time. Can't beat it. Yeah, so whatever. We'll be fine. Uh, life is good. The grass is green. The Saints are bad. We'll, we'll all survive. We'll get through it. We're we'll- resilient. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad that when the city's slogan of we're resilient has to apply to every sports team. <laughs> That should only apply to natural disasters, <laughs> not man-made ones. Uh, and on that note, we'll have a little Pelicans on the other side of the break, and then, of course, a local breakdown. So stick around. We'll be right back. Polk and Kush. If you're looking to get your landscaping back in shape after a brutal summer, 
Give my friend Jesse Edmondson, the owner of the Garden Gates Landscape Company, a call to transform your yard. They specialize in landscape, architecture design, artificial turf, planting, irrigation, lighting, and even maintenance. My wife and I had the Garden Gates do our backyard last year with synthetic turf. And this year we're doing the front yard with some turf and some irrigation and some planting. And it is, uh, it's just a great product. Good people, local company, people you want to support, and uh, always available, always there to answer the phone. There is a, uh, a definite reason why you go with people like the Garden Gates Landscape Company. Yeah, I was over at your house a couple weeks ago. It looked like the Brady Bunch yard. <laughs> yes. Immaculately maintained. Very welcoming. We played some cornhole. We ran, We chased each other around the Maypole. Yes, we it's rolled. We barrel there. rolled uh, all the way, you know, down back, did a sack race. Everything looked great. Yes. No, my backyard, because I have not called Jesse yet, Yes. looks like... Uh, half of it's the desert. <laughs> it's like if you wore like camouflage, you could lay down in my yard and no one would see because it's brown and green <laughs> and wet. <laughs> Jesse, I need your help with my lawn. Yes. And it is. Uh, believe me, if you have kids, having that turf is just fantastic. The second it stops raining, the second, uh, you know, you want to go outside after, you know, for any reason. The turf is always there. The turf is always clean. No one's getting covered in mud. No one's mm-hmm. got dirt all over themselves. No one's getting bit. Less uh, bugs, piles. right? Yeah, definitely less bugs. It has been uh, one of the best investments that I've made. And believe me, I've invested in you know some small companies you've heard of. Yeah, you know? Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin, GameStop, and NBA Top Shot. <laughs> 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 I'm one of the world's great invent- investors. But I will say investing in artificial turf for my backyard has been the smartest one that I have done. Uh, please call Jesse uh, and the crew at 504-608-4606 or visit them online at www.thegardengateslandscapecompany.com to schedule a consultation. That's the Garden Gates Landscape Company. That is a sponsor. Thank you, Jesse. So, Jesse's reliable, and now, I think, Zion might be reliable again. Hey. What do we think? He's played in all of the preseason games thus far. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a really good sign. He led the Pelicans to a win tonight. They won. So he had that five steals in like the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. I think he had four in the first six minutes. He was out there or something like that. So, uh, if you get locked in Zion, I I don't think much is different than what we already knew, which is that if he plays and he's healthy and he's trying. Mm-hmm. He's a goddamn monster. And it's against the magic <laughs> in, the in the preseason. He's playing like Gorgo Zutenheim. <laughs> He's in the starting lineup for the magic. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because Zion is out there. Yes. He's playing. And uh, I think most of the starters played 24 minutes. He played 15 uh, tonight uh, in a win. This was their first preseason win. New Orleans now 1-3. and three. There's some weird stat where like preseason record obviously means nothing period you know like who cares but there is like the teams who have not won never won like one game in the preseason have some ridiculously bad (laughs) record so it's like none of the other so undefeated doesn't matter any other record doesn't matter i was i wish i could find where i saw it but it was like there is a correlation between teams that go winless in the preseason and those you know who are have bad regular season. That's surprising to me. Yeah, because I feel like in football, if you have a terrible preseason, it means you're going to be just fine yes. during the regular season. The Ravens, yeah, are maybe an exception to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think the difference is in the NBA; those guys are playing more than half the game yeah. starters for for from in most of the games. Yeah, a lot of the guys had uh, Brandon Ingram had like 24 minutes tonight. Herb Jones, uh, C.J. McCollum, also. So they're 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 playing. Yeah. Sort of a real game, a little bit. Yeah, and, and so it, it does. I think it's. I don't think being worried about it is like indicative of anything. Uh, I believe it was during College Football Saturday. They played the Hawks and looked like absolute garbage. 
nobody seemed to notice. Uh, But yeah, the Pelicans played two very, very bad preseason games. Uh, I did not watch a second of it, to be perfectly fair. Mm -hmm. Um, But the stats were very bad, and all the analysis afterward from the God bless them, the people who do pay attention for all of us, you know, the heroes that we need, uh, the front people on the front lines, the bloggers and Christian uh, watching these games <laughs> that none of us want to watch uh, did alert us that I think I think the Pelicans had the worst offense in the NBA entering tonight during this preseason. Uh, again, hard to say how indicative of it, it is. But if you go the whole preseason being that bad, it feels like that's problematic. At least you got a win tonight. At least Zion looked really, really good in the first quarter. Uh, and he did show that gear that he can still get locked in and be that dude. Yeah, I was trying not to buy in too much. There were I saw clips on Twitter because, of course, I did not watch the game. Mm. Uh, but, you know, players just weren't like jumping up to try and get rebounds yeah. where they could shatter their legs. <laughs> Or yeah. sprint on a team with six players counting the janitor. Yeah, I don't think anybody on the Pelicans should be getting wet and wild out there. Yeah, for the preseason, I think what they're doing is fine, and I'm just so happy to see these players wearing uniforms, holding basketballs yes. on the court while the clock is running, yeah. playing a game. Yeah, it's a low bar. We have a low bar. Just show up, man. Just show up, and then roll the ball the regular season, and we'll see what happens. Zion I- is so talented, all he has to do is show up. It doesn't matter if he's out of shape, kind of. Yeah, as long as he's trying. And I think that was the big, the only real concern that I had of this is, like, if he's going to loaf this season. And now he has loafed at times in his career even when he's been playing particularly defensive rebounding has not been very locked in on most of the stuff defensively honestly he Mm -hmm. just doesn't always seem to be there doesn't get back very fast if he has those tendencies i can see that being a problem and obviously they cropped up a lot during those two games that they got annihilated uh last week but overall i mean you can't really care that much. Like, it, it is preseason NBA. If they cared that much, I'd call them dorks. Yeah. You know, like, come on. Like, and I saw people freaking out about the effort level. And what it's like, who gives a shit? This we means, have a whole season. Nothing. Yeah. There's a whole season to complain about the effort <laughs> yeah, level. I know. Right now, I get it, guys. Coast, yeah. don't hurt yourselves. Just get... Three Pelicans players have three real Pelicans players, yeah. prominent ones, have been hurt before a ball has touched <laughs> the hardwood. Yes. So I don't expect these guys to be diving over the scorer's table. And I, I frankly hope that they don't. No. And and that's like, you know, it's indicative. They don't have the dog in them. Like they're not moving enough offensively. The system doesn't look right. It's like it's a, they're standing around. They're playing New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, what, why should they be? Yeah, I just I I can't muster the anger, but perhaps I'm just, you know, old age and uh, full of distraction of other things, because there probably was a time in my life where I would be sounding the alarm over how bad they had looked for those games. But it doesn't. Haven't we learned enough in this life that like the second the preseason ends, you will forget it existed? Like that, and, and as it's what I yell every single August about the Saints, which is that like every pre, every training camp, we are led to believe how awesome everything is going to be, and then ninety percent of the things that we're told about how awesome they are turn out to be completely meaningless, and everyone forgets about them. Yeah, and it, summer league is more memorable than preseason for sure, because at least most of those guys are playing hard because they're playing for a job. Yeah, Brandon Ingram is getting a hundred million dollars, whether or not right. he hits the deck or whether or not he, you know, comes crisp off a pick and roll in the, a game <laughs> in legacy arena in Birmingham, like who cares? Uh, and so I have a very hard time taking any of the results all that seriously. I also understand it is easy to panic about this team because they have given you many reasons to panic in the past. Uh, but let's just pump the brakes. Enjoy the fact they're playing. I think that's a good thing. The fact that Zion was locked in tonight, had those four steals in the first quarter. I think he had 10 points before the first commercial break. Uh, That's the Zion that we know Mm -hmm. when he turns the light on. 
can kind of dominate most teams in the NBA. He's so automatic that you don't need to waste time worrying about anything other than will he be there. Yeah, and and I understand the concern that he might be unhappy because he hasn't looked happy. He's been a little gruff with the media. Very much so. And, and that's going to continue throughout the season until yeah. he starts getting national accolades once again. Yeah, I think for the first time he's finally felt fully burnt uh, by the attention that's come on him. And a lot of that was from this offseason where, you know, he uh, gets a girl pregnant. Uh, he thinks he's having a celebration. Meanwhile, his, I guess, girl who thinks that's it, that it's his girlfriend is blasting him all over social media. Everyone is taking great joy in how humiliating it is for Zion. Everyone's retweeting it. Everyone is cackling about it and laughing about it, us included. You know, we definitely participated in that. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> We do not slut shame here on the uh, on the Poker Kush podcast. That includes our guy Zion. We do not shame him for you know what he likes to do. Um, but yeah, I think all that. I'm sure that was after being called fat for four years. I think that was probably the the line that made him officially be like, I don't have to say anything to these guys. I don't care at all. Anything I do for the media has never helped me and. It's not going to help me now. So he's why? Correct. So why would I participate in this bullshit? And he's not wrong, uh, but it is. It does give you a moment of pause to say, like, I'm a little worried he's going to show up to games and just not care and be, try to get his way out of town, James Harden style. I, I, tonight is encouraging in that regard. Yeah. Whether or not it has any other indication, I don't know. But the five word answers are definitely a change for him. Yes, they are. Uh, and it, at some point, it seemed like that would make a lot of sense for Zion. And then there was a little bit, there was kind of the Zion redemption arc where everybody got on board and were like, yes, it must be very hard to go through that and the mental strains yeah. of dealing with an injury during stardom. And I was at a good point with Zion. When I, when we, when I left off with Zion... <laughs> From last season, I was like, I like this guy. He just needs to be healthy. It's fine. All this stuff with women, I don't care. Yeah. You know, the people people like me like to say stuff like, separate the art from the artist mm -hmm. so they can still, you know, listen to Ryan Adams and go see Crystal Lee and all that shit. And if you, like, I, I genuinely believe that. Yeah. And I, I, I just also personally don't care about any of Zion's sex life. Yeah. Not and, at all. And I think we've mentioned it here before. His foibles, to me, make him the most relatable player in the league. Yeah. All these other guys. And he is not relatable in any other way because physically he is nothing like any other <laughs> human yeah. that you interact with on a daily basis. But the fact that he is... Uh, well, he's getting dogged for... The wrong reasons. Yeah. Everybody was treating him with kid gloves when he wasn't playing and he yeah. was out and he was sad and he was depressed. Mm -hmm. Everybody's treating that with kids gloves. And then they jump on him liking ladies. Yeah, exactly. What like do you a... think? What do you think he does? I know. Can you believe <laughs> he's having sex with multiple people? You know, it's like Tiger Woods. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, I, I agree. It made to me tiger woods more human you know because yeah. he seemed like such a superhuman figure uh it's like yeah these guys are all they've got everybody's got their flaws zion obviously has his flaws with overeating guilty i am guilty of guilty as charged on that one uh and then he's obviously worked himself into this odd triangle of women god knows what actual shape it is it could be a parallelogram a, <laughs> a rhombus uh, I don't know how many women are involved in all of these things, but it, it the fact that it got so public and got so ugly and he had to kind of sit there and deal with it and he dealt with it. He didn't lash out and he didn't, you know, it could have been a lot uglier. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And there are a lot of guys in this league that if it happened to, I think would have reacted. If this happened to Kyrie Irving, I think it would have been right. extremely ugly, uh, a back and forth. And Zion sure. just kind of took it and, Moved along in stride, and, and look, I, I just, I like him. I genuinely just, it kind of makes me like him. I think he's very, very, very human, and I was definitely, uh, 
hitting the concern meter mm-hmm. on the fact that like, oh, if he's not going to play hard at all, this is going to be a problem. If he wants his way out of town, if you're unhappy. But look, if if it's just he's given five word answers because he's tired of the bullshit. I've been in those scrubs. Yeah, man. There ain't much to answer, you know, and there's not much more he's going to gain by being a jovial, genial guy to the local media here. It just doesn't really matter. Yeah, I hope it plays into him just wanting to play basketball, be on the court, like you said, for a while. And if we want to have a pissed off Zion out there, I don't see any downsides about that. Agreed. And uh, no one outside. And again, I've been in that situation as being the media member. And complained about how bad guys were at talking. Whatever. No one else cares. Mm-hmm. No one cares. If you win, they're good with it. If you lose, it's another thing they pin on you for losing. Eric Gordon, I thought, gave great answers. Everybody hated him. <laughs> you know? it's like, it doesn't. It truly doesn't matter uh, unless you perform. And I think he has understood at this point that no matter what he does, he's going to get criticized. So why am I even trying? to bother with you know making these guys try to like me well as long as he's out there yeah and uh you know what i like you zion so that's all that really counts so on that we'll take a look at what else is going on in this fine city that's right everybody the local breakdown it is You put Paris in a swamp and that's Nolan's in a nutshell, baby. (laughs) All anyone has been talking about all week is that there is now a road to the airport. (laughs) I took it today. Wow. It was awesome. They had like a Mardi Gras floats on it. All sorts (laughs) of crazy bullshit that should have been there four years ago. Have you ever been to a city where the top news story is we have a road to the airport? That was the top story. They talked about it for three hours last night. (laughs) We've got a road to the airport. Yeah? (laughs) That's normal. You should. It was an odd feeling of jubilation going over it today. Like, you're not, because you know, you do like two turns, whatever. You get off. I was driving my parents. You're driving by like that, the family dollar, and the road (laughs) doesn't even have a shoulder. It's a disaster. Driving to the airport, people I'm with are just like, like, oh, wow, look at this. Wow. I feel like, like Randy Quaid's going to land yeah. <laughs> in like, the biplane. Like, unbelievable. I was like, and then you're on your way out. That was the worst. Was the way out was like, you had to cross yeah. veterans. And then it was like four lanes jammed into one. And now it's just like, you zip on out and you're on the middle of the interstate. You're like, oh, my God. What Jetsons technology <laughs> did we just run into here? It's like, yeah, this was at the old airport for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a, a thing there that took two seconds to get to and from Airport Road. So it is a uh, it's just it's nice. It's there. It is. But it, yeah, any other rem- remotely functioning state would have probably built them at the same time. You As would, you're building the airport, you'd also be building the ramp. You would think so. Yeah. <laughs> it took years to build the airport. Not here. They waited until the airport was done. <laughs> Then they started building the ramp. Well, the guys that were building the airport, they were like, hey, do you do roads? Okay, well, when you get done with the airport, come on over here. Or it was probably hard rock construction. Mm-hmm. we got to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just, every day they're like, well, nobody died today. Yeah. It hasn't collapsed yet. We're doing fine. I mean, I did. I was glad to see those floats on it because I was like, well, I'm glad that exists, but I don't want to be the first <laughs> guy. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> God no. Get some eighteen wheelers on there first, maybe like. Yeah, that is a uh, it, you know I'm all for it though. It felt great going over it. It's the, it's one of those things like the second that it's done, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, you kind of forget how long and how the amount of times I would take my in laws from the airport, and I would be asked like, so that still no? I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be open in 2022. Supposed to be open in early 20. Uh, so we have an early 2022, then late 2022, then early 2023, and then it finally opened this week. I think October is considered late 2023. Possibly. What's yeah. bad about it is now that it's finished, they're doing all this other construction around here, and it's really screwing my <laughs> drive home up. All like, the construction workers are freed up. Yeah, from, Metairie yeah. Road's a disaster. Yeah. 
all yeah. this stuff. I, f- I feel like those guys got done at the airport and they're like, thank God, a break. And they're like, oh, no, you have to go fix all the other stuff. You're the only six guys <laughs> that work on roads. Or work at all yeah. in this entire city. I hope everyone that worked on that bridge is a millionaire. <laughs> I know who's a millionaire. It's whoever was the one that got the contract That's to hire true. those guys. That No doubt about that one. Um, another top story today, and I don't find any humor in this. Mm. I don't find I don't find it humorous. Mm. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Mm. New Orleans police detain at least one person in Jason Williams carjacking case. If you didn't hear, that's an updated story. Uh, the New Orleans DA Jason Williams, who I would say is prominently known for uh, going easy on offenders, releasing them, not trying them, uh, uh, all sorts of things. He's he's largely to blame for uh, the Linda Fricky yes. kids and all sorts of other crimes that happen around the city, notably carjackings. Uh, him and his elderly mother were carjacked today in the Garden District. Nice part of the Garden District. Not super late. I think it was around 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Getting home from a movie. Mm. You know, sometimes I get home at 10 o'clock on wild nights. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm out doing ecstasy. That's a couple Crescent Cannas. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that could have been anybody. Yeah. And it was uh, the man who I would say is, his, is linked to New Orleans carjacking crime the most. So we've had the conversation. I've had the conversation. Irony, right? The song Ironic by Alanis Morissette contains no actual irony, right? I don't quite know what irony is. Is this ironic or is this just karma? What would you call this? Jason Williams, the New Orleans district attorney who is legendarily soft on crime, getting carjacked with his mother in the car. I think that qualifies as um, ironic. Okay. I don't know. I have a hard time distinguishing it. It definitely is karma as well. Uh, it would be ironic if somebody who carjacks people got carjacked. I would. There say you go. This okay. Is, this is in the area. This is a guy who's lenient on carjackers. A, a gets man. Car- yeah, yes. Yeah. So I think we can qualify it with that disclaimer. Okay. It's not like rain on your wedding day. Right. That just sucks. That's just not fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's also it's not fun to get carjacked with your mother. That is for sure. I couldn't think of a worse person to get car. <laughs> My mom texts me every day. She texts me when I wake up. She's like, hey, did anybody murder you in your sleep? <laughs> and then at like 9 a.m. when I get to work, she's like, did anybody kill you on the way to work? And then at 5 o'clock, did anybody kill you leaving work? So she's just constantly in her brain. She's like, my son is going to be murdered or carjacked at any moment. Mm-hmm. If she was with me, I just I <laughs> if they stole my car and my mom was standing there with me, I'd go. All right. I'll come live with you now. <laughs> Back to the all-in-the-family TV set that we've got at home in Ruston. <laughs> you were right. I'll, I'll be there. I'll come back. Uh, yeah, man, that is uh, that is a rough scene. I, I genuinely do, you know, I don't wish harm on Jason Williams. I do think of all people who should deal with being the victim of crime, though, uh, you know, as long as he didn't get, you know, violently beat up or anything like that. Uh, or shot, obviously, nobody wants that. Uh, but yeah, to, I think uh, it maybe it hits a little closer to home uh, when you see that people who have been repeatedly, it's the same people doing the mm-hmm. same crimes and that are going through the system and not getting convicted and not getting put in jail. And then this is the uh, the result of that, or at least one of the results of that. It is hard to not find uh, at least a sliver of irony, I suppose, is yeah. the word we're going with. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think a well, hundred people texted me the story this morning. Yeah. You hope that it does something for good. Yeah. You know, sometimes people do have to be personally affected by something to give a shit about it. Yes. This might be his first run-in with crime in New Orleans. Uh, everybody's okay. There were two armed men. Uh, I guess his mother was still in the car, and he... I think he's like on the video saying like, Hey, let me get my mom out of the car. And then they drive off with it. They, yeah. They recovered the car later. Have you seen the Scooby-Doo meme? I'd like 15 people have sent me this no. of Jason Williams pulling off the, uh, you know, the mask of like Scooby-Doo at the end of the episode. It says, now let's see who's really responsible for new Orleans district attorney, Jason Williams getting carjacked in his own districts. And he pulls the mask off and it is Jason Williams. Oh, wow. <laughs> A lot of people have sent that to me. Uh, this was uh, 
uh, an oddly gleeful carjacking story in my phone. Yeah. Like at six o'clock in the morning, it was just buzzing like crazy. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? Is Israel still on the map? Um, and instead, it just was Jason who was getting carjacked. I was like, this is people people really uh, dug in uh, with, yeah. with, with both hands on this story. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm avoiding it. I guess the question is, when they catch these guys, and they will catch them because it was high-profile sure. crime. And they're I, not, the carjackers aren't that good at this. Yeah. Which is the more problematic thing. If they were really good at carjacking mm-hmm. and it was hard to catch them and hard to, like, that would be not his problem. Yeah. But it's, it is his problem because they're all very bad at it. And ev- every single person on Earth has a camera on the front of their house, in yeah. their hand, yeah. on their car dash, like. They know who these guys are. And has, like, GPS in the car. Yeah. It's very easy to the, find the, the car. The question now is, are the people that did this crime uh, ones that have been released or uh, received leniency from Jason Williams yeah. prior? If they are, he's going to have... He's going to have to move in with my mom. <laughs> if that's the case. He's going to have to go, all right, you got me. He'll be watching uh, TV Land with <laughs> with the Pulse <laughs> in Rustin for years on end. Oh God! Uh, the last story that came out today was the City Council. In in this has just been the one of the pettiest things I've ever seen, which is Gregory Joseph, who we've talked about before, the communications director for the mayor. Mm, Committed a pretty obvious crime using city funds in order to purchase pamphlets to basically, uh, you know, explain why Latoya should not be recalled. She wasn't recalled. Whether or not these leaflets had anything to do with it, who knows? But he overpaid for them. He used city funds in a way that is improper. And the city council wanted to slap him on the wrist, wanted to basically, you know, have the mayor fire him. The mayor has responded in complete defiance of saying, like, uh, it is, uh, you know, she, every single time they have tried to get her to basically admit that this guy has screwed up, uh, she has gone the exact opposite way. There was that weird interview where she's in front of it looked like Toys R Us bathrooms. <laughs> she was in these two in front of these two bright blue bathrooms. <laughs> Like, why are you doing an interview in front of the bathroom? <laughs> and so today, the, essentially, the city council realized that it could, by itself, suspend Gregory Joseph itself uh, without him even having to do anything. Mm-hmm. So it, it seemed like it required executive power. Actually, the council could do it. And the mayor freaked out and said, uh, it is deplorable that once again, the city council has used their power to publicly humiliate those making daily sacrifices to advance the city rather than using their power to actually legislate and move the city forward, which is the richest comment I've ever heard of someone who all she does is use their power to publicly humiliate people making daily sacrifices to advance the city and always uses their power to not legislate and do anything to help people. I mean, it is just... Both these sides are so petty and so stupid, and we have one million problems, and none of them are getting solved in this. It's also like he just got suspended, which means he can't work for the city for the duration of Latoya's term, which is January 2026. It's not like he's not getting like catapulted into the sun. No, he's not going to prison. He's not getting arrested. He can, he can work at like the law firm. Jason Williams works at, he's going to, some law firm is going to pick him up or some. Cause obviously he still has the mayor's ear and she's super corrupt. So that seems like a pretty easy way to get a job. He's probably going to, he could probably become the night mayor, whatever that is. (laughs) He's going to be the foreman at hard rock construction. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so just a great response by everyone involved. They the the two sides of the city council, particularly uh, J.P. Morrell and Helena Moreno, their hatred between them and the mayor is so on the surface. It's just like a a wrestling storyline at this point Mm -hmm. of it doesn't even matter what they're talking about. If one person says one thing. 
The other one goes the complete other direction. To come out with a statement that strong after something that is so clearly illegal right. is just because I hate that they are taking power away from me. This is going to be an incredible Netflix documentary at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, this has got, like, McMillions written all over it. <laughs> I mean, it's, you would think that there was nothing else going on in this town. Well, there's not. Like, like, meanwhile, no one can get a permit for anything. All the crime no is can. gone, though. It's what the, I'm sure they just started reclassifying everything. Or people are just like, I can't call the police. They were doing this shit when the saltwater thing was, like, coming out our door. It's like, no one will have potable water in seven days. Yeah. And you guys are bitching about whether or not the communications director keeps his $160,000 salary. It's like, do we re- who cares, you know? Um, so I find it to be... Endlessly entertaining because of how intensely mindless that it is. It really is. It's a real soap opera. So, as always, this city, uh, complete clown show and our favorite place because of it. Thanks for listening. This has been Polk and Kush. That's Scott Kushner. I'm Andrew Polk. Follow us on Twitter. Sorry, X. Polk and Kush. Send us an email. Polkandkush at gmail.com. Thank you to Jesse at Garden Gate Landscape Company. Thank you to Crescent Canna. And if you hop on DraftKings, use promo code Polk and Kush. We'll talk to you next week. Thank See ya. you.